Hi ho, couch potatoes! You're listening to Fan Holes, a pop culture podcast made for the fans by Fan Holes! <laughs> Welcome back to the realm of fanholes. Now speaks yon host for the evening, the mighty Derek. Though Tony, our Iron Man, be absent for the night, we shall prevail for honor, for glory, for fanholes. Odin's donuts. The topics we have for thee tonight be excitement incarnate. One. Favorite actors who have portrayed the mortal heroes, Batman and Superman. Two, in the realm of cartoons, we shall discuss Batman, Brave and the Bold. Three, in the realm of video games, we dare ask, what be the worst Superman and Batman video games thou hast ever played? Four, finally comes the noble segment, For the Future where we doth discuss what upcoming items hath struck the fanhole's fancy from yon toy expo. But I hath spoken in now. Let us proceed with the regular fanhole's roll call. Thou may also refer to the William son as the scion of Botok, Derek W.C. Hey guys, this is Brian. Breakdown on the forums. I'm Mike, and I've beaten dozens of you blonde-haired pretty boys, mister. This is Justin, the most known as Grimlock. Cool. All right, so, yeah, Tony Tony sadly couldn't be with us, so we're just going ahead and, and doing Podcast 8 here. So we're just going to go into it right now. I see she's taking it well. It's ironic, you know. She likes Bruce Wayne, and she likes Superman. It's the other two guys she's not crazy about. Too bad we can't mix and match. Who is your favorite actor who has portrayed Batman or Superman? And we're opening this up to all eras, whether they be voice actors or live-action actors. I'm just going to kick it off and turn it over to Justin. Justin, who who are your favorite actors for Batman and Superman? For Batman and Superman, I went two directions. I picked a favorite voice actor and also picked a favorite actor for Batman. My favorite voice actor is Diedrich Bader, who plays Batman in Batman Brave and the Bold. As far as regular actor goes, I went with Adam West because he was my first exposure to, I guess, like a kind of live-action version of Batman. And I know people like to rag on the Adam West series, you know, say it's really goofy, you know, pretty hammy, cheesy. It's the very 60s, but I still I still love that series. Well, I'll just I'll, – I'll get your back because in my notes I've got Adam West for my favorite Batman as well, so we don't have to go into that for me, but <laughs> – I, I definitely agree with you. You know, for me, Adam West is, uh, I just decided, I, I figured I just had to pick one, and I'm like, oh, that's really tough. But I'm like, you know what, I'm going to pick Adam West, because I, I think he had multiple levels of enjoyment for me, where, you know, when I was a kid, I took him really seriously as Batman, and kind of thought, oh, my superpowers figure, that's Adam West. You know, like, he was he was Batman, but when when I got older, you know, even when I was like a teenager, when I was like 16 or 17 in high school, I remember watching Batman the movie, you know, with, with my friends, and we just laughed our asses off at the shark scene. So, I mean, to me, it's just, it, it kind of, you know, works on, on multiple levels. So, yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Did I was you have telling anybody... my uh, in-law, my father-in-law, about that shark scene this very weekend, Derek. 
has he never seen that movie? Is that why? Or? Well, he, he growing up, he'd obviously seen the show a lot because that was right during his time period. When I was growing up, my dad and I both loved the reruns of the show that were on. And, you know, we watched that movie together. And it's just a really good memory for me because there's so much, like, funny stuff that happens in that movie. So I'd asked him if he'd seen it, and he hadn't. So I had to explain the shark scene with the bat shark repellent and the exploding shark. And then also when they're, <laughs> when they're like, tied to that buoy out in the water. Yeah, and, uh, noble, the noble corpus. corpus. Yeah. yeah, I explained all that to him. Uh, as a kid, I guess it was kind of like you where I took Adam West Portrayal very seriously. But then, you know, as an adult or even as a teenager, there were certain things that stuck me as weird. Like, you know, there's one episode where he pulls out a thermos and kind of scoops up this, what is it, uh, bowl of soup or something. It's like alphabet <laughs> soup or something, and he yeah. takes it back to the back computer to figure out what the message is. Yeah. You know, as a kid, I was like, yeah, that makes total sense. And then, you know, when I'm, as, uh, <laughs> as a little more intelligent, uh, older person, I was just like, oh, come on, give me a break. Have, have you guys heard of Sean Baby and his website? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Like Super Friends things. Right. There's that awesome Super Friends line. It's like Superman being a jerk to everyone. And, uh, he he has a line that's something like, "Well, I'm not a super I'm not a super detective like Batman's computer." <laughs> so I always remember that from from there. So Justin, did you, did you have anybody for Superman, or did you just do one for Batman this week? Or no, I covered Superman for voice actor. I went with Danny Dart. And oh, okay. He was he played Superman from. Super Friends in 73 until yeah. uh, Superpowers, the Galactic Guardians, I think in like 86 is when that was on. Yeah, yeah. He was he was Superman for a long time. Yeah, he, he, he does seem to be a, a real definitive Superman voice. Yeah, when I was when I was thinking back to all the different animated versions of Superman, you know, from the, the old cartoon up to like, you know, all the recent, you know, directed video stuff, I was trying to think, you know, when I think of Superman as a cartoon character, who comes to mind? And I went straight to him. I was went straight to that version of Superman. That voice actor. As far as I don't, I hate to say real actor, but a, you know, live action actor. Yes, I would go with George Reeves from the the fifty Superman series uh, for the same reasons I went with Adam West, just because that was my first exposure to live action Superman. Like I saw episodes of that before I ever saw the you know Christopher Reeves movies. Okay, that's interesting. I, I I probably saw the Christopher Reeve movies first. So for on my little notes, I sort of went with Christopher Reeve as my favorite portrayal of of a uh, Superman actor. But since since we already started talking to Brian a little bit about Batman and, and talking to his father-in-law about that, do you have a favorite Batman and Superman voice actor you want to share with us? Actually, I want actor for Superman and voice actor for Batman. Um, okay. I chose Christopher Reeve as well because, honestly, I think I was exposed to the Superman movies before I was exposed to any comics at all. So he kind of became the mold by which I judged, like, every other superhero that came after him. And it, it's a good mold for a superhero, too, you know. Reeve was off, obviously awesome in the role. He was very upright, moral, and all-around good doer. So he, he, he really solidified what a superhero should be in my mind. As far as voice actor for Batman, I ended up going with Kevin Conroy kind of an easy pick the batman the animated series was actually one of the first cartoons i started seeing and watching when i got back into watching cartoons in the first place is when i was in college and i'd get back from class i think around like two or three in the afternoon and i remember like batman the animated series was on and ronin warriors was on so i just really like his voice for the show and then even with like the recent you know ps3 games and stuff with arkham asylum like I, i'm a really glad that they went with his voice because he's like firmly batman in my mind was was that when it was on toonami the batman right right, right. yeah 
Okay. Yeah, I remember. I, I remember watching Batman when it was on Fox and the, the animated series. And I think I was I was probably a junior or a senior in high school when that when that came out. So I, I, that probably makes me decrepit and old or something. I don't know, but. <laughs> Anyway, so it was definitely a fun show, and Kevin Conroy has, has gotten to voice Batman, like you said, not only in that series, but, you know, sort of like Danny Dark, you know, he, he defined the voice of Batman for, for multiple generations, whether they be in, you know, direct-to-video movies or even the video games that you're talking about. Mike, what do you, what do you, do you have any thoughts on uh, your favorite Superman and Batman voice actors? Well, it's funny, like, I have two very specific choices for Superman, but I've got like a laundry list of actors I like for Batman. Superman, I went with one and then like an honorable mention because I, I picked Christopher Reeve as well because I think like it seemed like everyone after him was trying to live up to him and like portraying Superman. So I don't know. Yeah, like, like Brian said, he, he seemed like a, a natural for the role. You know, he was very upright. You could just tell he like just looking at him, just not even he didn't have to say anything. And you knew he was like a hero. And, you know, it just it just it, the whole atmosphere around him. Like he, he just said Superman to me. I wanted to give an honorable mention, though, to a kind of a, a obscure choice. Mark Harmon, who voiced Superman in the Crisis on Infinite Earths direct-to-video movie. I really liked the kind of... Um, I guess well, I looked him up, and he, he, he was born and raised in California, but he kind of gave, like, Superman, like, sort of a, like, Midwestern United States-type accent. Like, mm. I, I thought that was kind of cool. Like, it, it, it he kind of had that tone of... I'm in charge and everything's going to be all right. You know, that like, like say Tim Daly or George Newbern, like they never really seemed that way to me in like the Justice League cartoon or, or Superman that like I'm totally in control of this situation. I, I, I appreciated that a lot. For Batman, I went as, as overall best, like I went with Kevin Conroy as well because he's done it for so long and it's like so iconic. I had a bunch of honorable mentions, though. I really like Bruce Greenwood, who does Batman's voice in the Under the Red Hood direct-to-video movie, and he also does Batman's voice in Young Justice. I just, I just like it. It's cool. He, he sounds, he and, sounds awesome. Yeah. I enjoyed Bruce Greenwood, and and I also thought he was he was cool as Captain Pike too. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say Captain yeah. Bat Pike. But I was going to say that one episode of Batman, the animated series, when they did the, the three tales of Batman, I thought Michael Ironside was totally perfect for Frank, oh, yeah. for Frank Miller's Batman. Mm. Yeah. That, that, that was like perfect casting. And I, I, I really like Diedrich Bader, too, but I'll probably talk more about him when we talk about Brave and the Bold. So those are my picks. It's funny you mentioned Mark Harmon because I'm a big fan of NCIS, which he's the yeah. lead actor on that show. But when they announced he was going to be Superman, I was like, hmm, I, I, I don't see that at all. But then I sat down and watched it, and he, I agree with you completely. He's a really good fit for Superman. Yeah, he just, like, he gives that I'm in charge kind of, like, you know, tone, which is, yeah. I, which I like, which I'd never really heard, like, from almost, like, you know, anyone who's voiced superman since like superman the animated series so because i guess you know humanizing superman and making him relatable is more important than him being you know a role model or whatever you gotta make sure he's relatable and throw some dust in his face or something Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. 
I've got a kind of a sort of related question for Derek, just because I know he's such a uh, huge Superman fan. What did you think of Ben Affleck's portrayal of George Reeves in uh, the movie Hollywoodland? I I was I I actually liked that a lot. Like the the thing that was was it's just it's it's a very sad movie, you know. Like mm-hmm. you, feel, you feel bad. I mean, I, I you know I know I, I, this might be. I, I don't even know if I've ever mentioned this on the podcast, but I tell the other guys whenever. I'm doing the editing for the week's episode. I say I'm going to give him the Affleck treatment. And the reason why I say that is because a good buddy of mine who I mentioned on the last podcast, his name's Mike Vargas, he was doing extra work. And this was back when we were both in L.A. doing extra work, trying to get SAG cards and things like that. And he was an extra... I'm trying to remember what movie it was, but there, it, it was an extra where, like, it was a trial movie where Ben Affleck was, you know, in the witness stand or something. I don't remember what movie it was exactly, but basically, you know, he didn't know his lines and, you know, he had all these poor extras sitting in the, you know, in the stands and, you know, making up the courtroom and, you know, people, you know, are there for 18 hour days and stuff like that. And so basically, you know, when you finally see the movie, oh, it looks pristine and perfect. And that's because, you know, all you have to do is tighten things up in editing and you can edit an actor's performance basically in some ways, you know, if, if it's not any good and sort of salvage certain things. And I, I think that's kind of what happened in a way. So whenever, whenever I, you know, say that I say, oh yeah, you know, I'm going to go edit this. I'm going to Affleck, give you guys the Affleck treatment. It just means I'm going to make them sound good, tighten things up a little bit. But as far as as far as George Reeves, you know, Superman, yeah, it was it was kind of sad. I mean, I, I, I liked watching the movie. You know, the part where the, the, the best part in the movie is that scene. And who knows if it's true or not. But, you know, because it's all kind of, you know, oh, this from a two year old's point of view, this could be true. Or, you know, <laughs> kind of vibe you get from from the movie like whether it was a real account or not nobody knows but uh, my favorite scene in that whole movie is when the kid brings up a gun and it's kind of like yeah. hey i'm gonna shoot you because you're superman and he's kind of like oh no you you don't want to do that kid you know and it's like it, all of a sudden it just everything's fun in games and he's you know playing with the kids and doing a live performance and then all of a sudden it's like oh shit this kid has a real gun like let's let's calm down, you know, like, you know, so I, and, uh, yeah, so I, I definitely enjoyed, enjoyed seeing that. Cool. So I guess, I guess we've covered Superman and Batman favorite actors. And since this is kind of a, a Superman Batman show, almost, we're going to go ahead and move on to our cartoon series for the week. I'm your number one fan. My fan. The biggest. This is Batman Brave and the Bold. This show has been on for three seasons. This is going to be the last season. And we've, we've already mentioned uh, Dietrich Bader as, as Batman. And, you know, the, it's, it's a really great show. It's, it's done in the vein of a more, you'd say, you know, golden, silver age, classic DC feel. I think it's something that, that, maybe other DC properties could strive for. I know there's some debate whether, you know, they want people to go the Marvel route and be more realistic versus the way DC used to be kind of, a, you know, even in the comics nowadays, there's kind of a, a retro, you know, turn back to the way the Silver Age is. I mean, I, I think that works for DC a lot better in general, and I, I really enjoy it on this show especially. You can tell there's a lot of love and care placed into the series and all the different, you know, references and characters. Basically, every episode, Batman gets to team up with 
someone from the Batman universe, which is basically based on the old Brave and the Bold comic book series in which Batman was the long-running lead character, and he'd team up with other characters throughout the DC universe. I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to Brian. Uh, I'm kind of curious, since I've got Riddler staring me in the face. Brian has a Riddler little screensaver on the Skype here. So I'm, I'm kind of interested in what what the uh, the King of Conundrums thinks about Batman Brave and the Bold. Yeah, I don't claim to speak on behalf of the Riddler, unfortunately. I think you'll be a little bit disappointed with my thoughts on the show. As you said, it does seem like a very cared-about show. I think a lot of work goes into it, and I think they pay a lot of fan service to DC comic fans, especially of the Golden Age eras you're talking about. However, myself not being a real big fan of DC comics during that time period, the show doesn't do a whole lot for me, whereas other shows such as maybe Young Justice, where I really do enjoy I think they're aimed at a more mature audience, so that's kind of why I like them. And I don't need to know a lot of history about DC Comics to get into it. With Brave and the Bold, it kind of seems to skew a little bit younger. And I I know there's a lot of in-jokes packed into every episode, but I I certainly don't get them myself. I'd almost need you to, like co-op couch sit with me and watch it with me and explain things to me, I think, for me to get the full benefit of the show. I know you're a big Booster Gold fan. Do you have anything to say about the the times that Booster Gold was was featured on the show at all? Did you happen to catch those episodes at all? I haven't caught any with him on it. The the full episode that I remember watching was the one with, like, Jimmy Olsen turning into Turtle Boy or whatever. Oh, okay. Um, Yeah, and I've caught, like, clips, pieces here and there of other shows. I don't think I've ever caught more like four episodes because I always just tuned out too quick. Okay, cool, cool. So so how about we go to Mike? And I know Mike watches the show pretty regularly. What what are your thoughts? I know you, you said you wanted to get more into Dietrich Bader and, and things like that when we covered this. I, I totally love this show. I think, like, I'm not much of a DC fan either, but it's just I, I, I love the shit they pull up. Like from like I'm where I'll be watching it with my roommate and we'll, I'll be like like they'll pull out the craziest thing ever and I'll be like you know they found that in some like you know DC comic from like the 40s or something like there was this one cold open you know where they where Batman just teams up with someone for the first like three minutes and then they go into the rest of the episode where he's chasing what's it Ma Murder <laughs> and <laughs> like he's chasing her. And then all of a sudden, a tank bursts through the wall, and she goes, Oh no, it's the haunted tank piloted by the ghost of Jeb Stewart. <laughs> yes, yeah, I, I love I love the fucking haunted tank, so to me, I, I'd be telling Brian it was. When I, but... when I tell you, like, me and my roommate were laughing so hard we couldn't breathe, it was just, it was ridiculous, but I, I love the, the in-jokes like that. Like, I was like, you know they haven't made any of this shit up, they've just pulled it from some like random ass comic from like the 40s or the 50s and i just love stuff like that but i was going to say about Diedrich bader i i really like him as batman too he really fits like this version of like he's he's serious but it's like it's like he's so serious it's almost like adam west he's so serious it's goofy but at the same time he's a badass and in I just I love the all the alliteration he uses like when like he'll see the Joker and he'll be like Joker you haughty Harlequin or something <laughs> or like he'll just make up really random ones like uh, you robust ragamuffin or something like uh, I don't know I just <laughs> I, I, think I, love, 
I love playing the video game on the Wii because, like, when you do, like, a super move and you waggle the controller, like, back and forth really hard, you can do this super move and basically the, the screen turns into those speed line, you know, flash pans of him punching and he's like, hammers of justice. <laughs> stuff like that. And then, like, all the guys on the screen, like, fall over and stuff. So, like, I, I love that. Great. This show has also done what I thought was impossible and made me love Aquaman. This is like my favorite <laughs> incarnation of Aquaman ever. Like he's just hilarious. Some people have been saying like if Hercules ever shows up on the Avengers cartoon, he needs to be voiced by Joe DiMaggio. Yeah. And, and no, you're using this voice. Perfect. Yeah. It'd be awesome. And, yeah. But there's something else I wanted to say. I was going to say though, like this past season or well, I guess it was the second season. There was a, like a long stretch of episodes that were either, like, really dark and depressing or someone died in them. So that was kind of, like, I, I don't know. Yeah, some of them some of them kind of did get a little heavy. I, I the, the only thing I was going to say is I, I, I just wrote a couple, you know, I was doing my pros and cons list or whatever, and since you brought up the heavy thing, you know, I was kind of going to let some of my cons slide, but since you brought up the heavy thing, the only thing I was going to say is it, it's an earlier episode. It's not from the second season, but I, I just thought it was odd that they brought up Batman's parents being killed on the Christmas episode. I, I don't know why. It just struck me as kind of like, why do that? Like, it just seemed like it was yeah. uh, a little weird. Well, I, I thought they did it like they showed it really effectively. Like, they just show Bruce and his parents walking into the dark of the alley, and it, like, pauses for a couple seconds. Then you just see two bangs, like, in the darkness. Yeah. And, like, you know what's happened. But, like, I thought that was kind of effective. But I get what you're saying, yeah. So, Justin... You you want to offer up some thoughts on on Batman Brave and the Bold for us? I guess I'm of the same opinion as you and Mike. I really I really love the show too. I guess mostly because I never thought I would see an animated version of Doom Patrol, the Haunted Tank, or Commandi because I really like Commandi and like the Superman episode. I really liked all the little in jokes and homages to all the old you know 50s 60s uh, Superman stories like the Jimmy is the killer turtle thing, Superman wearing the super pope hat. Uh, I, I really love I really love the villain bar with all the like Z-list villains like Zebra Man and Polka Dot Man and all those guys. Yeah, anytime there's like a big crowd shot of like, you know, a bunch of super villains in a bar, I'm always trying to pause it and you know trying to figure out who it is or you know, I'll, I'll go on the bot talk and ask you like, who is this guy in the back here and you're just like, "Oh, that's such and such," you know. Yeah, it's it's funny cuz cuz like that my favorite part about that is I know there's all the people that are like Batman's awesome, Batman's the, the greatest at everything. And Batman only has cool villains. And then I go, "Dude, like check out these guys. Like these are and it's not like they just like it's kind of like what Mike's saying. They didn't they didn't pull those guys out of their ass and make them up. It's like those are all guys <laughs> that like Batman's actually fought at one point or another, you know? So that's I I the, you could tell like you know, that that's some element where the Batman love works to the show's advantage, you know, and, and, and there's all these great kind of little, you know, in jokes and references like like we were saying that, you know, you know, a kid could watch it and just see Batman beating up a bunch of bad guys. But for the adults, you know, like us, we want to we want to play Where's Waldo. And, and, you know, if there's somebody I don't recognize, I'm going to be like, wait. Oh, yeah, you know, like that, that scene with Batmite where he's like, he pulls out the who's who, you know, with the ten-eyed man. I'm like, I always used to do that when I was a kid. You know, I have those issues of who's who, you know, so I'm like, oh, yeah, that's awesome. Ten-eyed man, he's got, like, T through V, yeah, <laughs> you know, or whatever. Like, I loved, I loved uh, you know, the Marvel Universe handbooks and the, the who's who. Like, for, you know, before the Internet, that was kind of like the way you kind of 
learned about characters' history when you can buy like every comic there was out there, you know. Also, I never thought I'd see another Scooby Doo Batman team up again. I really enjoyed <laughs> that episode. Yeah, I think you're a weird Al into it. I liked all the the fake animation errors, you know, that they tried to replicate. Where <laughs> yeah. it's like Batman's Batman's bat kept turning yellow, or like the little cloak, you know, you could see the flesh part on his neck and all that kind of stuff. I really liked the uh, anime version of Batman they had in that same episode, or. Like the classic like seventies anime Batman, <laughs> like yeah. really, with the really bad English dubbing with <laughs> Lord Deathman. Yeah, yeah, it was very very speed racer dubbing, you know. Yeah, I guess I would throw Brave and the Bold in the same category I, I do as superhero squad show, where you know when I first heard about it, I was like, ah, oh, that's kid stuff. But then you actually sit down to watch it, and you know it it is kind of geared towards kids. Well, you know, superhero squad especially, but you know you sit down and watch it, and there's there's a lot to it for older fans. Yeah, it seems like they try to make it work on both levels. It, it, I, I, I think that's probably Brave and the Bold and, and Superhero Squad Show are what I'd call like father-son hour almost, whereas, you know, maybe you couldn't watch, I don't know, I'm, I'm trying to think, you know, you couldn't watch Spawn on HBO with your son, right? Because <laughs> yeah. you know, all this uh, hardcore violence and sex and stuff like that. You're like, oh, okay, you don't want to watch that with little jimmy but it's like you can watch brave and the bold with little jimmy and you'll be entertained and he'll he'll eat it up too so you know i I think that's positive thing about brave and the bold just so everybody knows brave and the bold seasons one part one and two are currently out on dvd and it's just been announced that season two part one that'll be i think the first 12 episodes of season two are going to be out on dvd august 16th 2011 and brave and the bold is currently airing on cartoon network right now they're airing the third season. There's, uh, I think it's 13 more episodes left. So they've they've aired, I think, about two of them by the time of this recording. So it looks like you've got, you know, 11 more episodes to look forward to and lots of cameos and different DC characters. If you like listening to us talk about this or you, you watch the show, you know, go ahead and check it out. In short time, your fate will be sealed, Superman. So Batman and Superman, we're, we're on this theme, this jag today. We're, we're going into video games now, and we're, we're doing a roundtable with video games, and we're asking uh, each of the fan holes, what's the worst Superman and Batman video games that the fan holes have ever played? I, I know Brian's our, our resident gamer, so I'm going to go ahead and kick it off to him and give him first shot at this. What What's uh, one of the, I mean, I don't know if you have, one for both or whatever, but but let us know what your thoughts are on this this question we've got. Surprisingly, this was the hardest topic for me this week. Not being a DC fan, I actually haven't played a whole lot of Batman or Superman games. I know with a bullet, Superman 64 for the Nintendo 64 is not only the worst Superman game, it's not only the worst superhero game, uh, it's probably one of the worst like video games ever made. But yeah. unfortunately, I've, I've never played it. I saw a uh, you know, video game nerd review it and trash it, so I wish I could have joined in the fun, but like I said, never never had the chance. So the game I picked, it is actually a Superman game. It's for Nintendo. Uh, it's a game I used to rent like quite often as a kid, but even then it wasn't real fun. And looking back, it was kind of pretty terrible because most of what I remember uh, from the game as I was trying to come up with a topic for the show is that you play as Clark Kent, and yeah. 
Yeah, you keep switching back and forth in those phone booths, right? Right. And I think there's like a super power meter bar, which like really restricts the amount of time you can play Superman. If if I remember correctly, too, you had no heat vision, no like frost breath. All you could do was would was basically punch or kick as Superman. He could fly from like scene to scene as well. But I don't know. All told, I remember most of these playing as Clark Kent. I barely remember being Superman. I remember that dumb meter going down and like depowering me all the time. So that's what I picked for uh, my worst game. So do you, do you have anything on the Batman side of things, or are all the Batman games you've played genius? Honestly, the Batman games I've played, they leap from the Batman for the Nintendo, which was awesome. It had great music. The graphics were really good for a Nintendo game. You could do like the Strider-type wall grab thing where you could jump up walls. I remember that being fun. So I jumped from that game all the way to the PlayStation 3 game, Arkham Asylum with nothing in between. So uh-huh. as of yet, Batman has a perfect video game record in my book. Okay, cool. Uh, why don't we go ahead and, and move on to Michael and see if, if there's a bad Superman and Batman game in his repertoire of gaming. Well, unfortunately, my tale is going to be very similar to Brian. Researching this topic, I realized that I have not played very many, if at all, Superman games or and not many Batman games either. I was going to also add that you know, Superman 64 is widely known as a terrible game, even if it wasn't about Superman. So I I can't honestly think of another Superman game I've ever played, like, consistently for any sustained amount of time. So I'm going to have to go with the Batman. And when I went to Batman, I was like, you know, I haven't played a lot of Batman games either. And the only two, I well, there's three I thought of. I remember playing the for- Batman, I think it was the Batman Forever game in the arcade where you could be like Batman and Robin and it was, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, that I remember that not being very fun and me not wanting to play it after some time. So it was kind of like they, they tried, they, they did some kind of engine where it looked like Mortal Kombat. Yeah. I was going to say it looked like motion capture. Yeah. Yeah. Like Batman and Robin. Yeah. But I don't remember it being very good or me using many, very many quarters on it. No, Um, I, wasn't that good of a game. Yeah. I rented Batman Vengeance back in the day, the the first, the one based on the Red Sky uh, Yeah, yeah, I, I, I played. And I never finished it. I think I only like played the first few levels. I guess I just it didn't hold my interest because I didn't rent it again and I didn't attempt to beat it. I actually, I actually finished that game with with the help of my my gaming buddy. So that was I, I thought that was a pretty decent game. You know, all things considered, for Batman games. I can't I can't remember a lot of it. I I all I can assume is I just didn't like it because I didn't beat it and I didn't re-rent it. And then, yeah, the next game I played was, like, Arkham Asylum, which I liked overall. But, you know, when when we were discussing Arkham City coming up in a few podcasts ago, you know, I've already said, like, what I didn't like about that game, which is, you know, Detective Meter being, you know, a bit overpowered and some of the boss fights being kind of tiresome and tedious. So the next chance there there will be will be Arkham City when it comes out for it to be my next worst Batman game. But... I don't think it will be, but, you know, that's the next chance. Right. So, uh, Brian, did you have something you wanted to throw in there? Or? No, I was just curious what system that game Mike was talking about was on. A vengeance? Uh, yeah. Uh, Xbox. I had the original Xbox. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I played that, I think, on, I want to say we rented it for the PS2 when I played it. So. 
One thing I, I games. one thing I did want to mention is I watched my friend play like the Batman Begins game. I think it was that oh, yeah, the, yeah. the original Xbox or Xbox 360. That, that was the original Xbox. Okay, no, 360 wasn't even out then. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I watched him play it, and the one good thing I can say about that game is it seems like I think it it was Christian Bale voicing him in that game. Was it Derek? Or? Oh, I, I, I think hope it, not. I think it was actually like like it's it, it's been a while since I played that game. Like it's not a horrible game. There was just that one patch of it where well, I wanted to kill the fucking designer. <laughs> well, I was gonna say no, and Brian, you'll you'll uh, you'll like this probably. I was gonna say the one redeeming part of, uh, I saw of that game is that Bale seems to dial down his Batman voice in that game a little bit. Like, maybe it was just rough on his voice to do all that recording, but he doesn't do it as silly as he does in those movies. Well, because like, he's got to record, like, like five versions of a line. For yeah, like, but it just seemed like he dialed it down and it wasn't as goofy in the game, which I thought was kind of ironic, so. Yeah. yeah and instead of it being like, where is he? You yeah. know, it's kind of <laughs> like, where is he? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, it was just like a sort of lower bail voice for Batman, kind of. And the other funny part about that game is Batman's animation for climbing up ladders is hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Is, he yeah. does, like, this wiggle walk up yeah. the ladder. It's weird. <laughs> but, yeah, that's about it. Cool. Um, uh, Justin, do you, I, know, I know you say you're kind of more retro gaming uh, into more retro gaming, so maybe these will be older games, or do you have anything to throw into this, this little roundtable here? For Superman, I was going to throw it out to the Superman for NES, but Brian kind of beat me to that, which I only played it maybe a handful of times at a friend's house. Did, you, just, did your hate kind of share my same points, like yeah. with the restriction of the superpowers? And- yeah, pretty much. I mean, it seems like any time they make a Superman game, and I, I mean, I understand why they limit his powers, but it just seems like you have you know some kind of weird thing preventing you from using all the powers at one time. Especially like with the flight thing, like, you know, that being limited. That's always bugged me in any superhero game. Like, I remember even in like X-Men Legends and stuff. Like, with all the flyers, like, say, Jean Grey or Storm or whoever, I'd always power up their flying ability first so it didn't, like, drain my mutant power all the way down to zero. Because yeah. it, just, it just seems like, you know, it's like saying an Olympic guy, a video game, he can't run or something. I don't know. Well, yeah, they're kind of yeah. more like they're, they're hoverers instead of flyers. You know? They can only right. hover for so long before they fall, you know, back to the, the ground level. I, I was just going to throw in just real quick, not to interrupt Justin, but just that... In terms of, of power meters, like, I, I always think it was a mistake to, kind of in the same way, I'm always kind of like, oh, why does Superman have to be powered down on cartoons? It, it's kind of a mistake to have the power meter related to Superman. And what, what I always thought was interesting about the Superman Returns game, which is another Superman game I played all the way through, which isn't too horrible, is that the power meter applies to Metropolis and not Superman. So you only basically fail the level or restart the level once Metallo basically throws enough cars and kills enough people and buildings in Metropolis. And so to me, I kind of went, well, that always made more sense to me because it's like, you can't really hurt Superman. I mean, even if Superman gets beat up to the point where he he gets knocked down or whatever, it's basically you keep tapping the buttons and he can get back up and get back in the fight eventually. It's just once Metropolis is, you know, beyond recovery, then then you have to play the level over again. Yeah. 
that's a much better way to handle it. Yeah, I was going to mention that game too. I, I played it a little bit. I didn't. I didn't really care for it, but I would easily just get distracted and just kind of fly off and destroy the city or look for more robots to fight or something. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think the unfortunate thing about being Spider-Man or Superman in a, a large environment like that is, you know, especially when you have the Grand Theft Auto games, I think I was more inclined to enjoy Hulk Ultimate Destruction just because, you know, as Hulk, you weren't beholden to such high moral standards. You know, you could run around... <laughs> throw policemen at each other and, and break buildings, and that was actually encouraged, as opposed to, you know, in, in a Spider-Man game, it's like, oh, you got to go find some lost fucking balloon, or you know, you got to make sure that, that you know, all the, the citizens in Metropolis don't get, you know, you know, set on fire by, you know, Metallo. Or also, I, I missed the part in Spider-Man comics where he got in so many races. It's <laughs> so um, always racing people in video games. Always. Is there a is was was there a Batman video game you wanted to talk about, Justin? Not really, because Mike kind of already covered it with the Batman Forever game. I guess I'm kind of like him. I haven't really played a whole lot of Batman games because my my experience goes with Batman for NES to Batman Forever, and that's pretty much it for Batman games for me. I guess I guess I'm a glutton for punishment for when it comes to video games because I'm the type of guy who's the sucker for the really awful multimedia movie tie-in game because <laughs> it has something to do with either you know a movie franchise that I used to like like Star Wars or you know so I played plenty of awful Lucas Arts games and like you know any any comic book related games or anything like that I mean I, you know ironically I guess I haven't played a bunch of the newer ones I have yet to play. Arkham Asylum, but as far as Batman games, I'm just going to say that Batman Dark Tomorrow, uh, this was for the original Xbox, was one of the most disappointing games I played, and I, I think it was disappointing because it, it was one of those games that came out at the time, that if, I think for the Xbox they had Man of Steel for Superman and Dark Tomorrow for Batman, and kind of like the Incredible Hulk Ultimate Destruction game, how they had it written by Paul Jenkins, and like they, they had certain comic writers write for the video games. This was done in the same way. It was basically set in the Batman comic book universe, so I was really looking forward to it. I'm like, oh, wow, it's not a movie tie-in game. It's not, you know, Batman Returns or Batman Forever or whatever, you know? And so I was really looking forward to it. But unfortunately, you know, it's been a while since I played it because I rented it one time and only got to, like, maybe the second or third level before I got frustrated with it. But the gameplay, I just remember, was really, really bad. Like, it was really hard to control the character and, and do the kind of... I, I can't remember precisely what it was, but, you know, sometimes you had to, like, grapple things or get things done and all that kind of stuff. For me, it was just frustrating, and it wasn't anything that I felt like investing my time in when I did a little more research on it, it, it it also mentions in the, the, you know, online, when I looked up some stuff that there were several endings to the game, but it wasn't very specified on how to get those endings. So basically the majority of people, you know, like 90% of the people who played the game, they would get to the ending and they wouldn't have done the special thing you needed to do to get the good ending. So most people who beat the game were like, oh, great, I beat the game, but Ra's al Ghul, like, blew up, like, you know, 70% of the population. Oh, I guess I won. Okay. <laughs> you know, like, it was something odd like that. And I guess if you had just, you know, turned off 
uh, a certain switch at some point during the game or something, then you would get like the super, super happy ending where like nothing gets exploded. But I don't think a lot of people, you know, knew that when they were, were playing through the game. I'm going to throw in my hat and tell you a, a story of the N64 Superman to sort of counterset what everybody else has already said about it. We, we all know it's a really bad game. I owned Superman 64. I had a Nintendo 64 for a long time. And, you know, being a big Superman fan, I went out and I bought Superman 64. And, of course, it was awful, and I flew through a bunch of rings, and I yelled at the computer screen <laughs> and, you know, or the, the TV screen. And, and I hated Lex Luthor going, ha, 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 Every time I, I failed to, to go through one fucking ring, you know. So you, and then you had to start all over again with, like, 260 rings or whatever. And I'm like, Superman doesn't fly through virtual fucking rings. You know? He punches people and shit, you fucking assholes. But anyway, so, so you're all mad about that. But a long time had passed since I bought the game. And I, I a couple jobs back that I had... I worked with a colleague of mine named Steve, and he was a really nice guy, and he was really, really into video games, kind of like you are, Brian. And, you know, we were we were sitting there on a break from work one day, and, you know, we were talking about video games, just shooting the shit. And, it, you know, it just happens to come up that I have a copy of Superman 64. And he's like, you have that game? Like, that game's infamous. Like, whoa. And he gets all excited about it. Like, I, I don't know, you know, it was a bad game. You know, obviously he knew it was a bad game, but he just kind of got really, you know, I don't know, his eyes got all wide, and he's like, seriously? Like, you have that? Like, that's the worst game ever, supposedly. Like, I've never even seen it or played it or whatever. And I just turned to him and I say, you know what? Like, I know it sucks. I've played it. Like, you know what? You, you can have it. And he's like, Really? And I said, yeah, I, you know, I'm not going to play it anymore. Like, you know, I'm kind of done with it. You know, I didn't know I'd maybe someday make some videos out of it or do some angry nerd reviews or anything. I just kind of said, hey, you can have this cartridge or whatever. And he goes, gee, thanks. So I bring it in the next day. I give it to him. I forget about it. And maybe two, three days go by, comes back into work. And he's like, um, yeah, uh, here you go, dude. And I go, well, didn't you, didn't you want this? Like, I thought you were all excited about it. He's like, yeah, it really was bad, you know? <laughs> so basically, basically, it's it's a game I could not get rid of. Like, I, I could not give it away. So that's, that's the best way to describe Superman 64. So it looks like we talked about all the, the worst Batman, Superman video games that each of us have uh, encountered over the years. For the future! <laughs> We're just going to go ahead and move on to our For the Future segment. And this was regarding the, the Toy Expo for 2011, 2011, whatever we're saying these days. And so uh, our question to everyone was, what are you most looking forward to from the 2011 Toy Expo? So uh, I'm just going to go ahead and throw it out to Justin and just kind of ask him, you know, what his thoughts were, if you got a chance to look at any of the, the new images online or anything like that. What what, what did you think, Justin? Uh, there were several things that caught my eye. I guess the, uh, the biggest thing is there's a series of Walking Dead action figures uh, that are coming out. And um, I'm looking forward to getting those because I I never I didn't expect that you know that would be a property to get action figures. The other thing is there's a series of Brightest Day action figures, and it's you know pretty much all the characters that have been restored to life. So I'm looking forward to getting new versions of you know Hawkman, Hawkwoman, 
Aquaman, and there's a pretty cool Deadman action figure thrown in as well. So I'm looking forward to getting those. Yeah, those looked like they were DC Direct figures, right? Yeah. And then the the Walking Dead figures were, were those action figures, or I, I thought they looked a little bit kind of like I, I hesitate to call them dolls, but it looked like they were a little more detailed than your your normal action figure, I guess. Are they done by McFarlane? I don't I don't know. Or who is behind those figures? But they looked more like action figures to me. I mean, I could possibly be mistaken, but they looked more action figurey to me. Okay. Was it Was there anything else you wanted to talk about from the the toy expo? Justin? No, not really. Those were the only things that caught my eye. I mean, there was some pretty neat Gremlins stuff thrown in. I kind of like Gremlins, I guess. I don't know if I'll actually pick those up or not. And those looks like to be a new series of some Terminator figures. Might actually pick some of those up eventually, but that was that was about it for me. Didn't Not a lot of stuff that really caught my eye. Well, there was some neat, you know, Freddy Krueger, Predator stuff, but I don't know. Yeah, yeah I saw that. Seems... They had the different sort of versions of Freddy with like the really, the. it looked like it was from like Elm Street 1 with the long arms but then they tried to do some from the the later series of movies it looked like like one looked kind of like the the rennie harlan you know nightmare on elm street 4 version of freddy i guess you'd say yeah i mean they look like good figures but i don't know it just seems like you know freddy and predator figures have been you know in my opinion just kind of done to death so i'm just like yeah they they look cool but i don't know been there done that i guess that's how i feel about those yeah yeah okay well how about you mike do you have any thoughts on on things that you saw that were coming out from this year's toy expo uh, not much. Not much caught my eye. I mean, it, I was looking for like you know something like for like Marvel Legends coming back, but unless I missed it, I, like all I saw was like some you know for the like the tie-in crap for Thor and Captain America. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so like you know, I was kind of I know there was a couple displays of Marvel Legends, but they were all like old figures and stuff, and yeah. then it was just like used for display purposes and not actual product. So. I was a little disappointed. I saw the Young Justice figures; those looked okay, but I don't not anything I'd probably buy. They look kind of they look kind of skinny to me. Did you did you feel that way at all? Or yeah, maybe a little. You know, sometimes like the animation models don't quite translate to action figures. You know, because yeah, I was kind of looking at Superboy can't read angry figures. You know, and I was kind of <laughs> like, oh, there's Superboy. You know, like cool. And then I kind of looked at him and I go, dude, Superboy needs to eat something, man. What's up? <laughs> Superboy skinny. Hungry. Yeah, Superboy, Superboy hungry, not get fed, you know. Like, Superman not feeding him along with <laughs> being a bad father, you know. Superman not Superman needs to feed him some apple pie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those those figures looked all right. The only ones that I would probably pick up would be probably just like, you know, Miss Martian just because I'm a fan of that character. But the rest, I'm like, and you know, maybe, maybe if I see it in the store, you know, like an impulse buy or something. Yeah, it's funny that you brought up the Thor Captain America tie-ins, Mike, because I was looking at some of the pictures, and I don't know if you guys saw this or not, but there are all these die-cast cars with, like, Thor and Cap's pictures painted on the side or something. And then I was, like, looking at them, and there's, like, one, like, it's like a truck or something with fucking Odin on it. And I'm like, dude, what the fuck is with the Odin? <laughs> Like, I don't even get it. Like, I could get that there are people that, like, appreciate and collect Hot Wheels, but I don't get it. Like, I don't see, like, Thor fans being like, yes, I must have the Odin truck. I was going to say, you know, like, in Fair itself, number one, Odin's all, like, pissed off that they're consorting with the mortals. That's all all they have to do to win Odin over is make him his own truck. And he'd be just (laughs) driving around and being like, yes, this this contraption pleases the All-Father. 
<laughs> John Merry conveyance pleases the All Father. Yes. You just, you just have to picture like Anthony Hopkins behind the wheel of a monster truck, where he's kind of like, yes, yes. <laughs> That's all they'd have to do to get like get Odin on board with that is just make him a truck. Yeah. Oh, man. No, I was going to say, speaking of, I'm surprised there weren't any, like, pictures of, like, tie-in toys for Avengers, because I'd almost be interested in, like, buying something from that, but, you know. Oh, you mean the, you mean the, the, the cartoon? cartoon? Yeah. Okay, yeah, I, I don't know if there are going to be any toys. Like, uh, I'd love to buy a Hawkeye or Iron Man from that line, but, yeah. Um, yeah, it doesn't seem like there will be any yet, at least, so. Yeah, I was also kind of expecting some X-Men first class figures, but there did, there. Does not seem to be anything, you know, merchandise related, you know, for this movie, which kind of surprises me. I wonder how those, cause I mean, I'm trying to think of the back of my head, like, because I, I sort of delved out of toys, you know, eventually, you know, I'd say, like, somewhere around after episode two came out, I would say, is what killed it for me, for the most part. But I, I remember there being toy lines for the first X-Men movie, but were there were there toy lines, like, for, for The Last Stand, or did they release toys when Wolverine's Origins came out, or Anything or mini figures? Yeah, yeah the okay. mini yeah. figures. Yeah. So maybe, maybe like, I, I wonder if they'll make any. What do they call them? The Marvel Universe size figures for first class? Maybe. I was, I was gonna say they did like after the fact kind of. They folded some X three figures into Marvel Legends, like Beast, Colossus, and Phoenix. Oh, okay. All had Marvel Legends figures based on their movie appearances, but that's okay. about it. Okay. So, Brian, do you see anything that's coming out of the Toy Expo that you were interested in at all? or that? No, I was kind of disappointed as well. Like, those two, I was looking for Marvel Legends guys. I didn't even see any. I saw some, like, Marvel Select guys, I think, but nothing new for, like, Marvel Legends was I was hoping to see. I was also kind of interested to see what, like, the Green Lantern movie might bring us. But uh, really, I mean, it, it mostly looks like junk, to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, I, it, it I really was, does. I, I was looking at them, and I kind of thought, like, dude, why do all the HAL movie toys, like, all the HAL toys look like Kyle Rayner? Like, they all have, like, the wrong color hair and stuff. Right. And I'm like, okay, yeah, this looks like a bunch of junk. I, I agree with you on that. I know, right? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and, then, and then did you see there was a, there was some kind of, like, the board tank game thing? or something. Oh, okay. Yeah. It was like it. I was like, oh, it's a Green Lantern card game board game. I was kind of like, okay. <laughs> so yeah. Does anyone else wish like DC Direct would update their like the hips on their figures so it doesn't look like everyone has a penis? <laughs> That's always bugged me. <laughs> like, just how they have those like like uh, sort of stationary, I don't know how to put it, but that massively stationary T-crotch or whatever it is. Yeah. I mean, it's like a really narrow six-inch, well, you know, scaled down, but... I, I don't have much experience with DC Direct. The only reason why I ever bought one was because I, I had a Green Lantern shirt that I still own. And one Halloween, I just went out and bought a green mask and figured, oh, I'll be Green Lantern. I need a ring. And then I went and bought the Alan. I couldn't find the Hal Jordan figure, I guess, from DC Direct because that was discontinued at the time. And I just bought the Alan Scott version and put that ring on for for Halloween. That was my thing. But that that was the only DC Direct figure I'd ever owned. But yeah, I know what you're saying. How they're kind of like stiff, stiffly designed figures, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I only have one Direct guy too. It was Booster Gold, and it was right around the 52 like storyline. I think that's why he came uh, out. Okay. And I never, I didn't know Mattel was going to do one themselves, but I mean, that Booster Gold stands on my shelf in shame, like, <laughs> hiding his package. 
Because <laughs> everyone else is normal looking junk and he's all weird. Speaking of DC comic stuff, the, the one thing I saw, and this might just be because I'm an old fart or whatever, that I thought was really cool was they have these retro Mego toys for DC. And it's like they have these sort of like, they're almost like poser Mego toys like that never came out. But it's like, oh, it's like Darkseid as Amigo or Black Adam as Amigo or whatever. Oh, yeah, I, I saw like, that. Oh. Yeah, they had a yeah. John Stewart lantern, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I thought all those look kind of, I don't know why, like maybe because of the Twisted Toy Fair. Or, I used <laughs> to have a, a, I used to use a Amigo Hulk with my Mattel Secret Wars figures because for some reason the scale looked perfect to me in my head because I always read the Secret Wars comics and Spider-Man was always like hanging on the back of the Hulk, you know, with webs or whatever. And like the Hulk looked like immense and Spider-Man kind of looked like a little, you know, a little shit on the back of his, you know, <laughs> I don't know when he's leaping around and stuff, you know. So I was kind of like, oh, this works perfect because I can, you know, have my, my Spider-Man sort of, you know, tag along with the Hulk. You know, was, the Miko Hulk, so... I was going to say, they they released Venture Brothers figures in that style, and, like, the Mego style, uh, but okay. but every time I see them, they're, like, 25 bucks a piece. Like, they actually uh, sell them, like, at Toys R Us and, like, uh, my comic store, but they're all, like, 25 bucks a piece, and I don't feel like paying that much for even, them. Even at, even at Toys R Us, they're $25? Yep. yep. Jeez, man. Yeah. I'm, st- I'm pretty impressed that they were at Toys R Us, but, you know... Like they have a whole, I guess they're in they they're in like movie co- tie-in toys area or like they're like next to all well, movie and video game tie-ins. I guess I don't I don't know what the hell the logic is there, but <laughs> they have like that and like Futurama toys there and stuff like that. All right, well it looks like we all kind of shared our thoughts on on what we think about the 2011 Toy Fair Expo. We just want to give a shout out to Andy Grosenbeck, who sometimes goes by Jahaxius on the Botok message boards. He actually, you know, told us not to feel so sad because he, he sent us an email. So thanks for that, Andy. And he actually has a question for us, and we'll go around and, and ask each of the panels what they think about it. But Andy asks. I do have a question for you guys. Back in the early 1990s, I had a bad habit of thinking any new number one edition of a comic book that Marvel put out was destined to be the next big thing, so I would pretty much buy any number one that came out. Was I the only person who thought that Sleepwalker and Morbius would be the next Doctor Doom and Venom? Oh, am I? Anyway... Are there any characters in comics, movies, toys, video games, etc. that you thought might be the next big thing but turned out to be a big fail? Cough, cough. Mercenaries 2, World in Flames, cough, cough. So uh, what, what do you guys think about that? I would agree Mercenaries 2 was horrible. <laughs> Just to get that reference in there. The first game was really fun. The second game was pretty pretty terrible. What I picked in re- response to his question was actually the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen movie because... Before it came out, it kind of had, like, everything going for it. You know, it's steampunk, which is cool. It was from Alan Moore, which is cool. has all these, like, historical-type, you know, characters in, like, one book, like, almost like a superhero team. So, like, I was really stoked for the movie. And then, as anyone who actually has seen it could probably tell you, I, I was pretty disappointed once I actually saw the final product. Leave Tom Sawyer alone! <laughs> <laughs> Uh. No, no, I, I got you. That, that's perfectly understandable, especially for people who were fans of the source material or just, you know, excited about the concept in general. It's, mm-hmm. it's a 
perfectly justified disappointment, I think. Mike, yeah, what do you, what, what do you think about, you know, something I was, that you thought I was, was going to be cool? I was going to bring up the Green Goblin series from the 90s, which is still one of my, like, favorite, like, cult series, Marvel Comics, but it, it got canceled after 13 issues. I guess the reason it got canceled is... By that point, they were planning on bringing Norman Osborn back as the mastermind behind the Clone Saga, so they couldn't have, like, a good guy, Green and Goblin, running around. So they had to can it. But I just remember seeing that comic on the shelf and being like, oh, a new Green Goblin. And, like, after reading the issue, I'm like, oh, and he's a good guy. That's, like, the coolest thing ever, you know? Because, like, I, I, I grew up, like, reading Spider-Man versus, like, the Hobgoblin stuff, and I always thought, like, the Hobgoblin was awesome. And, you know, he always seemed to be, like, cooler than Spider-Man, because, like, you know, what kid wouldn't want to fly around on a little rocket bat throwing bombs and, you know, shooting lasers from their fingers and stuff? So I was like, oh, it's about time there's a good Green Goblin. Like, this was before I ever read, like, any of the, like, stuff where, you know, Harry was trying to be a good guy, like, briefly. Uh Okay. But, um, yeah, but I really liked Phil Urich. He seemed, and he, he seemed a lot like me, like a slacker, kind of. That was like the phase I was going through, so I really liked that series. Of course, it didn't last very long, and Phil Urich fell into limbo, and he's come back, and they've ruined him. So he's been, I guess, he's fallen in the fate of such other 90s characters as Bishop and Danny Ketch. <laughs> and they they've come back and as a bad guy kind of so yeah i, I kind of always say you know they've all been element ladded or superboy prime <laughs> yeah know, exactly so that, but they just kind of uh, they dig up some some characters and then the twist is like but i'm mad now and yeah exactly yeah well <laughs> When I first got it, I was like, this is a great idea, and I don't know why anyone hasn't had it yet, that they should make a good goblin guy. Because that, like, that only existed in the realms of, like, my own personal fan fiction, like, as a kid, you know. I had, like, the red goblin. He was a good guy, you know. So that was always cool. But, you know, it didn't go anywhere, so it was kind of a failure. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, that, that's not to say that keep it in your back pocket. You know, one day you too will be Jeff Loeb and you can make <laughs> red goblins to your heart's content. So. Exactly. Roblin. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Cool. So, so Justin, do you, do you have any thoughts on that? Is there anything that was something that you thought was going to be the next big thing, but, but turned out to be sort of an epic failure? Or? Yeah, I guess for me it's the big, great failed experiment we know as Heroes Reborn. At the time, I was reading three out of the four titles that got relaunched. I was reading Cap, Avengers, and Fantastic Four. And so when they announced that they were going to take those characters and put them in their own little mini-universe, and you know they were getting completely new creative teams and artists and everything, you know, I was pretty excited about that. And then I sat down and read those comics month to month, and each issue I just got more and more frustrated with everything that was going on in that universe. But thankfully, it only lasted like, 13 issues, and they went back to the, more, the real Marvel universe. Yeah, Franklin Richards fixed that shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I was going to say, I I was a regular reader of the Wade Garney run on Cap, so it was kind of like a big knife in the gut to me. I was kind of like, what are you doing? This is awesome. Like, why are you fucking shit up now? You got you know? all hail megatron Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's kind of what happened. But. You went from Wade Garney to Rob Offield. Yeah, and he took he took away the A off of the cap's head, which irritates me to no end. Yeah, 
Man boobs, girl Bucky. <laughs> Do you think this eagle on my forehead stands for eagle? This eagle on my forehead stands for bird poop. <laughs> I just want to offer up my own two cents on the question. And this ties in a little more to the number one type thinking is that my secret shame, I guess, would be that I, I was one of those guys back during the, the speculator era, and I was stupid enough to buy, like, you know, 10 copies of McFarlane's Spider-Man number one, thinking it was going to be worth something. Or, you know, I bought, like, all the different polybagged versions of X-Force with all the stupid different trading cards where I was still young. And, you know, I must have been, like, I don't know, 11 or 12. And I, everybody's like, this is going to be the next big thing, X-Force. Like, make sure you get all of the polybagged versions. So, like, you know, in the back of my head, I didn't, you know, I, I never thought that I would be, you know, selling 10 copies of X-Force number one for like 20 cents one day or whatever. <laughs> you know, I, th I thought it was going to be awesome, you know, like, mm -hmm. that, that, you know, it was going to be a big deal or something, but um, yeah. So, you know, and, and that kind of extends over to any image comics too, you know, like I, I, I bought image comics for a long time, you know, whether it was Brigade or Youngblood or Spawn or Wildcats or whatever. I mean, there were some good things that came out of that, like the Max and Savage Dragon, probably I'd say, but for the most part, I, I followed a lot of the various image comics, and it's one of those kind of, you know, it's it's like that thing, that embarrassing thing of like, dude, why do you have like, you know, you know, three copies of Brigade Number One? Like, what the hell's wrong with you? <laughs> so yeah, was that everybody? Did I miss anybody? I think we got everyone. Cool. All right. So cool. All right. So so we hope that answers your question, Andy, and thanks for sending us that email. Okay, so I hope that answers Andy's questions uh, about what we think about the next big things that turned out to be, you know, big fails. And we're just going to go ahead and go around and do the traditional what's awesome with uh, fanhole members this week. And we'll go ahead and kick it off with Mike. What, what is what is currently awesome in your neck of the woods, Mike? Well, shockingly, I have a book recommendation. This book's been yes. out for, yeah, <laughs> uh, I stole Justin's Thunder. This book's been out for a little while, but, and I, I kind of, I bought it for my dad for his birthday. It's called The War for Late Night by Bill Carter. It basically details the whole Leno-Conan war that went on in 2010. I bought it for my dad for his birthday, but I ended up reading most of it, and I've been, like, rereading passages of it here and there. I, I find that stuff really fascinating. I've always been a big Conan O'Brien fan, and, like, it's a very interesting book. And the funny part is, like, I've never had anything, like, personal against Jay Leno. Like, I, I, I've never thought he was as funny as, like, Conan or almost anyone else, but... I, I've never, like, you know, but and when all this stuff went down, everyone was like, oh, Jay Leno's a friggin', you know, Machiavellian, you know, schemer who, like, manipulated events to make it so he'd get his Tonight Show back. But, you know, after reading this book, I almost, I feel like, you know, you get a lot of sympathy for him because he, he's not that at all. It really seems like he's not that at all. He's just a guy that wanted, you know, he just, he didn't want to retire. They made him retire. And then when, you know, the 
Tonight Show with Conan O'Brien didn't really pan out too well. They tried to get him back, and he was like, okay, well, I'll do whatever, you know, the company says, you know. So he was just like the company man. And, you know, that's not to diminish, you know, Conan, because I love Conan, but I... After reading the book, I felt like a, a, there was a lot more sympathy for, like, Jay Leno's whole part in that. So it was a very interesting book. And, you know, if if you're any fan of, like, you know, late-night talk shows or anything like that, it's it's definitely worth a read. Cool. Thanks for sharing that with us. It's not something I would have thought about, but it sounds like it's a really interesting topic that delves into the behind-the-scenes, you know, talk show events that went on back then. Brian, All the, all the way back in 2010. <laughs> yes, all the way back in 2010. 10. Brian, what 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 else is going on with you? Is there anything you'd like to share with our listeners this week on something you think is super cool, awesome? Yeah, I recently picked up the new Foo Fighter album, Wasting Light. I've been a Foo Fighter fan, well actually I was a Nirvana fan first in high school and middle school. And then I, I think the first album came out, I'm going to say like two or three years before I graduated. And then The Color and the Shape came out the year I graduated, I think, in 19... 19- 98 or during at least that school year and i really loved it i mean like i said i like nirvana previously so i was always interested in hearing the foo fighters once they came out i loved all their stuff but then i think the last album i actually really enjoyed was there's nothing left to lose which was pre-2000 and then the the albums they've released between then and now were kind of kind of wishy-washy there's a few songs i could listen to but i didn't really enjoy them that much and then about two weeks ago they had this this newest album streaming live on the internet. You could listen for free. I've heard I heard Dave Grohl speaking in interviews saying, you know, this is our heaviest album to date, and that's the kind of stuff I like anyway. So I'm like, oh, I should check it out. And typically, even with bands that I do like, if I buy a new CD, I don't always like the music right away. I, sometimes I'll have to listen to it like repeatedly before I like, grow into the album. But with this Wasting Light album, their newest one. I loved it from like the first playthrough, and I was like, you know, telling all my friends on Facebook, "Holy cow, this album's great! You got to listen to it." So I bought it. It is a good album. They kind of went old school in the recording of it. Instead of using digital equipment to record it, they used analog tape machines. They did it in Dave Grohl's garage, I think. And then, kind of as a freebie to the fans, like at least the initial pressings of the album actually comes with like a one-inch segment of that analog tape that they used to record the album with. So it's kind of cool that you get a little piece of Foo Fighters history, too. Very good album. I would recommend it to anyone who enjoys Foo Fighters. Yeah, that sounds that sounds really cool. I remember when the album, you know, was posted on Bot Talk where you could stream it. I, I don't know if that's still you can still do that, but I guess when they were trying to preview it before it came out, mm-hmm. and I, I listened to a couple tracks when I think I think it was you and and SGG both posted something along those lines, and I, I thought the track sounded really awesome. So yeah, yeah, sounds cool. Okay, Justin, uh, you, it looks like you're up on deck. What what was something that was awesome for you this week? Well, it's okay that Mike kind of stole my thunder with the book because my cool thing this week is Doctor Who. I know none of you guys are really big fans of it, but I'm a Doctor big... Who. sorry that's like the oldest joke ever go ahead go ahead it's okay i'm a big doctor who fan and the newest season has started it's actually series if you go by the british term series six has just started and i'm really enjoying it so far i have a question for you being outside doctor who fandom and only catching like the occasional episode on tv like it looks like some of the episodes i see are like from the 60s and 70s like how is it possible they're only on series six Doctor Who started like in 63, I want to say, 
and it ended in 89, I believe, or 88 or 89, and it took like a break for a long, long time. I think it only came back in like 2004, and okay. when it came back, they just kind of started over calling it Series 1. Oh, okay. So this is Series 6 of the second volume, basically. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Oh, that makes sense. I was actually wondering that myself, just because I was like, doesn't Doctor Who have like 14, you know, series or whatever <laughs> you know, by this point? Cool. All right. So, so my awesome thing. I'm I'm kind of dredging back into you know my my recommendation pile because we're doing a couple of these episodes back to back here, recording wise. I'm gonna recommend a documentary from 2004 that I really enjoyed watching. A friend of mine that I, I worked with named Alberto, who's a good friend of mine, he recommended it to me and thought I would like it. And when I checked it out, I really did. It's called The Long Way Around. It's it's about seven episodes long. You can get it on DVD now. But it's basically Ewan McGregor and his buddy Charlie Borman. And they're taking a motorcycle trip around the world, pretty much. And so they, they basically plan out a trip where they, you know, they're going through Siberia and Kazakhstan and Mongolia and Alaska and then riding through up until New York. And so they, you know, they've got cameras on the bikes and they've got a guy in a, a truck riding along filming them as well and everything. But it's just basically those two guys on bikes doing a world tour pretty much, uh, you know, a modern world tour, I guess. And, you know, I, I like Ewan McGregor a lot and my, you know, my buddy thought I would like it and I did. So I, I just recommend that to anybody who, who hasn't seen it and kind of, you know, would enjoy documentaries or maybe, you know, the actor Ewan McGregor. That's cool. I actually remember, like, hearing about it as it's being made or maybe shortly upon release. And I'd wanted to see it, but I totally forgot about it until you just brought it up. So that's cool. Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's worth watching. I mean, it was it was entertaining. And, and, you know, I mean, you know, it might have that element of reality TV if some people are put off by that. But I don't I don't think it's too sensational. I think it's more straightforward, you know, them kind of figuring out like, OK, this is what we're going to do. Like exactly how are we going to do this? And then they go ahead and start the trip. And then you kind of see all the, you know, basic hassles and, and, and you know, also wonderful things that they see along the way. So. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that looks like that will wrap it up for the eighth episode of the Fan Holes podcast. Thanks to everyone who, who sends in suggestions, comments, and questions. Thanks a lot to Andy for sending us that question about what you know what was the next big thing that turned out to be a big fail. If, if you have any other questions like that that you want to ask us, feel free to email us at fanholespodcast at gmail.com. And thanks for so much for listening, and, and we'll see you all next week. Peace. Y'all come back now, you hear? Brian Breakdown, Derek WC, Derek Underwing, Mike, Justin Grimlock. Oh, the professor getting a little cranky. Game is getting a little sleepy, Cher. <laughs> <laughs>